Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. I am excited. I don't know if you can tell today. I am excited about what we are beginning today. I am telling you that today is a historic day in the history of LifeGate Church, that the series that we are beginning today just might be the most important series that we have ever done as a church together. But let me just tell you this. It's more than just a series. In fact, everybody look at your neighbor tell them it's more than just a series It's more than just a series. It's more than just a few messages that we're going to be doing over this next four or five weeks together. It's more than just a nice little package that we put together of message series. It is a journey. It is a journey that we're going to be taking together more than just this next four or five weeks. But for the next two years, we are going to be moving forward in this journey together as a church. And I got to tell you, on this journey, God is going to do some stuff in our lives. I'm telling you, he is going to change us. He is going to grow us. He is going to stretch us. I'm telling you, over this next two years, just be prepared. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, be prepared. Be prepared because God is going to stretch our faith. God is going to stretch our love for him and for our community and for each other. God is going to stretch us in ways. He's going to stretch and grow our vision in ways like we have never stretched before. I don't know if you're ready for it. I'm telling you, it is going to happen. At the end of this next two years, we're going to look back. And I'm telling you, you're going to be different. I'm going to be different. Our church is going to be different. And our community is going to be different because of what we are starting today. I don't know if you're excited yet. Come on, you excited? I'm excited because this, man, this is important stuff. This is a historic day for our church. And let me tell you what we're going to be doing. We're going to be sharing some of your stories of what God has done in your life. In fact, that's where the whole idea for the campaign comes from, the whole name stories. It comes from your stories because here's the deal, man. That's what it's all about. It's all about the stories of lives being changed. That's our vision. That's our heart. That's why we are here as a church so that your story, my story, so that our Our stories together can be changed, changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And I'm telling you, over the last 11 years, God has changed some lives. There are some pretty incredible stories of what God has done in people's hearts and lives as we have just obeyed him together. And I'm telling you, I'm excited to share some of these stories with you. We've got an amazing one I want to share with you today. If you want to get a little preview of it, you can go to lifegatestories.com and you can see some of these other stories. But before Before we dive into that, we got to settle one thing. So everybody say settle it. We got to settle it. We got to settle it in our hearts right here and right now before we even take one step further in this journey. And here's what we have to settle. We got to settle in our hearts whose story really is it. I mean, I know we're going to tell your story. And I know in this series, I'm going to tell some stuff about my story. And I know we're going to talk about our story. But what we really got to settle deep down in our hearts is this, is that it's not really my story. It's not really your story. It's not even really our story. You know whose story it is? It's God's story. It's God's story that he is telling here on this planet and in this community, through this community of believers. It's not my story. It's not your story. It's not our story. It's God's story. 
In fact, this leads me to our key passage for this whole series, for this whole journey over this next couple of years. It's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, let's take a look at it together in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number one, verse number, uh, where is it? Verse number, whatever it is, put it on there. Number two, look what it says. I'm excited. All right. Look what it says. It says, Jesus Christ, the what? Everybody say that word. The author and finisher of our faith. I want you to notice this. What does it say? It says, Jesus Christ is the what? He's the author. What does that mean? He's the one that's writing the story. That means it's not my story, although my story is part of it. It's not your story, although your story is part of it. It's not even our story, even though that's a part of the story. Guess who it is? It is his story. In fact, that's why it's a historic day. See what I did there? I know you like that. Because it's not my story or your story or our story. It is his story. It's his story that he is telling here on this planet through each and every one of us. And I know that we know that deep down in our hearts. And yet here's what I know is that many times, even though we know that, it's not really sometimes the way that we actually live. We know it's his story. But a lot of times, here's what we want to do. We want to live it our way. We want to tell it the way we want to tell it. Come on, right? We want to get out the pen and the paper. We want to get out the typewriter. What is a typewriter? We don't even use those anymore. We, we, want, we want to do the one that is, that is telling the story. And what we've got to settle in our hearts today is that it's not about me. It's not even about us. It's not even about LifeGate Church. It's all about him. He's the one telling the story through us. In fact, it reminds me of a story that has become very familiar in our house here just in the last couple of years. I never thought that it would be, uh, once again, a part of our household. I mean, uh, before a couple of years ago, I never really thought that we would be watching animated movies in our house that much anymore, right? But then a couple of years ago, something changed. Those of you that don't know, we had a little boy. That was a surprise. We have two teenage girls, and now we have a little boy who's about 21 months old. And so a few months ago, this, this story that was a big part of our lives several years ago now became a big part of our lives now, right? It's the story that keeps playing over and over and over again. Those of you that have toddlers, you know what I'm talking about. We have it memorized now. It's a little movie called Toy Story 3. How many remember that movie, right? Now, here's the deal. It's not Toy Story 1. It's not Toy Story 2. He don't want to watch those. He only wants to watch Toy Story 3. And that's okay because Toy Story 3 really is the best one of all of them, right? And in Toy Story 3, if you, if you remember the story, I mean, you got Woody and Buzz, and then you got Andy, who was the little boy who had the toys. And in Toy Story 3, Andy has grown up just a little bit, and now he's going off to college. And so, man, this throws the whole Toy Story world into, into a loop because, man, they're going, what are we going to do? And so they start, they take the, the toys, and they bag them up, and they're going to put them up in the attic. But then something kind of crazy happens, and instead of getting put up in the attic, they get sent off to the Sunnyside daycare. Come on, you remember this, right? And they get to the daycare and there they are and they meet Ken and they meet, you know, all these other people, but then they meet the big, you know, Lotso the Hugging Bear. Come on. Can you tell I've seen this movie a few times? And they meet Lotso the Hugging Bear and Lotso gives them a little tour of the, of the, of the Sunnyside daycare and he takes them around, shows them where stuff is. And then he says something that's very interesting. He says, here at Sunnyside, here's the great thing. We don't have owners here. You don't have to worry about being put in the attic here because we own ourselves. 
We do things our way. We are masters of our own lives. And all the other toys are like, man, that sounds pretty good. We can do what we want. And I start thinking about that. And I think, isn't that the way a lot of us live too? Like we don't have a master. We don't have an owner. We don't have an author. I'm the author of my own life. I can do things the way I want to do things. I can live the life that I want to live. I can say a little prayer and get to heaven, but I don't really have to fully surrender my life to him as the author of my life. I'm going to do things the way I kind of want to do them. But then Woody speaks up, and how many know Woody is always the voice of reason? And what does Woody say? Woody says, guys, what are you doing? We do have an owner. His name is Andy. In fact, we weren't created for anything else except for for Andy. We weren't created for ourselves. And then he goes, Buzz, Buzz, look on your foot. Whose name is written on the bottom of your foot? Andy's on your foot. Look at my foot. Whose name is written on my foot? Andy's on my foot, right? And here's what I want to tell you today is a lot of us, here's how we want to live. We want to live our own life. Do things our way. I don't have an owner. I don't have a master. I don't have an author. And here's what I would tell you today is that you weren't created for you. You weren't created to tell your story. You were created to be a part of his story. In fact, he bought you with a price. His name is written on your hearts. If you are a Christian today, if you have surrendered your life to him, his name is written on your hearts. And so today, before we jump into this story, here's what we have to settle in our hearts and our minds. Whose story is it? It's not my story. It's not your story. It's not our story. It's God's story. And if we're going to tell God's story, then here's what we're going to have to do. If we're going to take this journey together, we're going to have to take some steps. So everybody say, take some steps. We have to take some steps. In fact, these are the three steps that we are going to take together over this next five weeks and over this next two years. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down today. The first one is this, is that we're going to have to step in. Everybody say step in. Step in. In fact, how, how many ever watched a movie before and just wish you could step into the movie? Come on, right? How many, ever, how many ever read a book before and you just wish, man, I could step into the book and be a part of the story? It's just better that way, isn't it? In fact, I mean, this is the way it works at my house. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to embarrass my girls. They're teenagers now, but when, they weren't always teenagers. And so when they were little, they would watch movies. And I'm telling you, they couldn't watch the movie without going and getting the stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a Barbie movie. What they have to do? They'd go get all the Barbies and lay them all out, right? If it was Little Mermaid, what they have to do? they go get the Little Mermaid outfit and put it on, right? You know, they don't do that as teenagers anymore, thank the Lord. But you know, it's the same way with my little boy now. Like when he's watching Toy Story 3, you know, he likes to do, he's got a Woody doll and he's got a, he's got a Buzz Lightyear doll and he goes and gets, he got, he's even got the little dinosaur one, you know, and he goes and, and gets it and he gets it all out and, he's, and he wants to do it because it's better to be part of the story than to just read the story, to just watch the story. And you know what? You act like you don't do it. You do it too. I do it too. In fact, when my, when my Sooners are playing, you know what I like to do? Go get my Sooner gear on. You know what I'm saying? And pretend like I'm, I'm part of the team because it's just better that way. It's better to not just read the story or hear the story or watch the story. Guess what? It's better to be a part of the story. And here's the good news today is that God is inviting you to be a part of his story. It's not your story. It's his. But guess what's so awesome about God is that God has said, I want to invite you to be a part of the story that I am telling. 
And man, I'm telling you, it's a great story. I mean, you look at the Bible and you read, I mean, you read some of the things in the Bible, some of the men and the women of God in the Bible who told some pretty amazing stories. People like Abraham and people like, people like Jacob and people like Joshua and Queen Esther and on and on and on. I could go into the New Testament with Paul and Peter and, and James and John and unbelievable stories that they told. But there is one problem with their stories. All these people, they're dead. They're gone. And you can learn from their stories. And they are God's story written to us. But the problem is, is that their story has already been told. Their story is already finished. But here's the good news today is that God wants to continue the story through you and me. We get to be the sequel. Everybody look at your neighbor. Tell them you're the sequel. We get to be part of the story. And God is inviting us in, and all we have to do is step in to the story that he is telling. And here's what's so amazing is that God is telling an epic story right here in the community of Burleson. Right here in our surrounding area, God is telling an amazing story. In fact, when you came in today, you saw on your seats, you saw, you saw a stories guide. Why don't everybody get your stories guide out and open them up to the center page here. And I want to show you a few, of the, a few of the things about the story that God is telling here in our community. And this is just Burleson. I want you to know we reach people from Crowley and Joshua and Alvarado and Fort Worth and Cleburne and all around this area. But we just gave you just the stat, stats just for Burleson where our church is located. I want you to see the story that God is telling here and in, in just in our community. Check this out. In 2000, the city of Burleson had 20,976 people that lived here. Look at this. Just six years later, which by the way, in 2006 is when LifeGate Church began. Look at this. In just six years, we went from 20,000 people living in this community to 31,100 people living in the community. Now check this out. In September of 2017, just last month, check out what the statistics looked like. We went from, we went from 20,000 just 11 years ago to now 43,000 people that are living right here in Burleson. Now, the stats just project that in the next three years from now, there will be 52,000 people living in the community just of Burleson. You know what that means? That means that in just, that just since the year 2000, in just... 17 years, there has been a 108% growth from 2000 to now. Come on, that's amazing. God is bringing people to this area. He is bringing people to this community. And they're coming from all around, man. I don't know if you've noticed, man, just new houses going up everywhere. People moving in everywhere. It, it is unbelievable the people that God is bringing to this community. And I don't believe God does anything by accident. I believe that God is actually the one bringing these people to this community. And here's the, here's the thing is that when they come to this community, people coming from all around and the people who have already been here for many many, many years. Guess what? All of these people in this community, you know what they need? They need a home. They need a family. They need people who will love them and people who will connect them with a God who loves them. In fact, I kind of like to say it like this, and it kind of makes people's ears pop pop open the way that I say it, is this, is that, is that we have a homeless problem in Burleson. Some of you go, no, we don't. I don't see no homeless people standing out on the corners. I don't see people living under bridges. And here's the deal. In Burleson, we don't have necessarily people living under bridges. But here's what we have. We have people who have a house, but they don't have a home. 
Come on, right? There are people who are living in this community who are disconnected, thousands of them, who, who could be brought to life in Christ if there was a family and a home of people who would love them and show them the love of God. In fact, that's the vision. That's why God has planted us here at, in this community. The reason that LifeGate Church exists is so that people who are far from Christ can actually come to relationship with Christ and relationship with one another so that they can come to know God and find freedom in their life so that they might discover their purpose and be sent out to make a difference. That's why God planted us here in this community. The problem is, is that there are thousands of people in this community that either already lived here or have moved here in the last several years or who will be moving here in the next few years. There are thousands upon thousands who do not have a home and God has called us to be that home. But here's the problem. In fact, if you want to look at your, if you want to look at your, uh, at your stories brochure here today, the problem is, is that even if God were to bring them to LifeGate, we wouldn't have room for them. I mean, check this out. Most church growth people will tell you that once you get to about 70% of your capacity in a given service, that you will begin to kind of stop growing. And the reason is lots of different reasons, but one of the reasons is we like our space. Come on, right? You know what I'm saying? You like to have a little elbow space. Like if I'm sitting down, I want there to be a seat between, you know, get on the airplane. You know what I'm saying? I want to have a, you know, I'm looking at that person and going, please don't sit next to me. Please don't, come on, you know? And here's what happens is when a service, a church service gets to about 70% full, people come in and they realize there's not that much room for me. And they go, I don't know if I fit here. I don't know if I can stay here because I need my space a little bit. Or maybe they don't even have a spot for me. Come on, right? And so here's what we have to understand. Check out the statistics of what has happened at LifeGate over the last, uh, over the last few years. We have actually grown by an average of 25% every year for the last three years. That's 75% growth over the last three years. That's pretty huge, right? And here's what happens is we have three worship experiences every Sunday, 9 o'clock, 10, 25, and 11, 50. Check this out. At 9 o'clock, on average, we are between 65 and 80% full. We're already at that place. At 1025, those of you who have ever been to the 1025 service, you know what I'm talking about. We are already at 90 to sometimes 110% of our capacity, sometimes pulling out chairs because every chair is filled at 1025. At 1150, which is the most difficult service time to get people to come to sometimes because it's right at lunchtime and sometimes the cowboys play at noon, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But even in that service, we are on average between 50 and 60% full. You know what that means? That means we are, we are reaching our, or either reaching or going beyond our capacity already at all three of our services. And here's the deal, is that there are people in our community that God has still called us to reach, but we are running out of places to put them. We're running out of room and people will walk in. And the truth is, is that most people that visit the church will visit at that middle service. And you know what happens? They come in, they look around go, there ain't a place for me. I'm going to go somewhere else, right? And so here's the good news. Good news is we are already working on Bringing that, bringing that problem to a remedy. In fact, we are already, we're already doing plans. You saw it in the video. We've been sharing it with you over the last several, several months that plans are already underway right now. Architects are working. They're working with city on permits, all of that kind of stuff that you have to do behind the scenes so that with God's help, our hope is that before the end of 2017, we will be breaking ground on a brand new worship facility that'll seat 450 people. Come on. That's awesome. 
That's something you can pray about, that it happens this year before 2017 is over, that we'll break ground on that. And I already told you how much it's going to cost. I told you it's going to be $2 million, you know. And, but here's the good news is that we've already secured a loan for that $2 million. We already have the money to be able to pay that on a, on a monthly basis. Praise God for that. That is amazing. But here's the bad news. I don't know if you're ready for the bad news. The bad news is this, is that that $2 million will get that building built. They will hand us a key, hopefully about a year, a little bit more than a year from now. We'll hand a key. They'll hand us a key. We'll walk into that building. The problem is we will walk into a building that has no furniture, no lighting, and no sound equipment because the two million dollars are not included in that all right so that's bad news but it's also good news this is where you get to step into the story this is where you can make a visionary investment into what God wants to do in our community. And here's the amazing thing that's going to happen. As you make your visionary investment into this story that God is telling, we're going to be able to put the best of the best sound and lighting and video and all that kind of stuff into the building. You get to be a part of that. Not only that, but we get to expand our reach even, even beyond the four walls of that new building that we're going to be building, which is going to be going to be great. But guess what? We're also going to do in the new building. We're going to have the opportunity to be able to put video equipment in the building so that every Sunday we will be able to live stream our services. Come on, that's awesome, which is going to expand the reach. We're going to be able to reach people that may not ever even come into our the doors of our church, but we will reach them through their computers, through their phones, through their tablets. Not only that, but you don't want to miss a single sermon. I know that. So you'll be able to win you're sick or you're on vacation, you'll be able to live stream the service. You'll be able to watch the video on podcast. Come on. That's pretty awesome, right? Come on. Like, man, I don't know what I got to do to get y'all excited this morning. Not only that, but this building that you are sitting in right here, this building, we will be able to convert this room into a, a space. In fact, really the whole building other than what we are building will become the next generation space for our church. Because here's the deal. We don't want just a seat for you to sit in. We want a place for your kids and for your students and for your babies. I don't know if you got a baby. Put them in the nursery. We are going to be doubling the size of our nursery. This room will become youth and children's. You get to be a part of it. You get to make an, a visionary investment into, you get to step into the story. Not only that, but everything that you give in this vision campaign over the next two years, the first 10% of that, we're going to give back to missions. So you know what that means? That means through that, we're going to plant churches in other communities. Through what you give, guess what? We're going to be able to translate Bibles into languages that don't have a Bible translated. We're going to be able to do disaster relief. We're going to be able to do orphan care. We're going to expand the re- of our of our of our vision through our community and around the world and you get to be a part of it you just got to step in everybody say step in step into the story number two write this one down not only we step into the story we're going to have to step out in faith everybody say step out guess what guys in order to tell god's story you know what it's going to take it's going to take us stepping out in faith you know what it reminds me of Reminds me of the story of Peter and the disciples in the boat. You might remember that story. There they were sitting in the boat. I mean, it was nice and and calm and things were good. Things were safe and secure inside the boat. There was only one problem. The problem was it was a boring story. It was boring until something happened. Until a man named Peter had the faith to step outside of the comfort and the security 
of the boat. Then it became one of the greatest stories you ever heard. A man walked on the water. Why? Because he was willing to step out in faith. And guess what, guys? The story that God is telling is going to be a story that requires some steps of faith. It's going to require every single one of us to step out in some areas beyond our comfort zone, beyond where we are familiar, beyond what is secure. In fact, I love the way Pastor Craig Rochelle says that he says, in order to step toward your destiny, you're going to have to step away from your security. And here's what I'm going to be challenging every single one of us to do, to step away from some things that might be comfortable and secure and to step out in faith so that we together can reach the destiny, the story that God wants to tell through us. We're going to have to step in. We're going to have to step out. Number three, write this one down. It's going to require every single one of us to step up. Everybody look at your neighbor. Tell them, step up. Step up. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to take some steps up. And here's the thing is I'm not asking anyone here today to take a giant leap. You know what I'm asking everybody to do? Just take the next step. Whatever the next step that God asks you to do, take that step. Because here's what, here's what I know is that our vision is changing lives, seeing lives change. But here's, here's what I know about life change. I know that many times life change doesn't happen in an instant. Sometimes it does. But most of the time, here's how life change happens. It, it, cha- it happens in incremental next steps. In fact, here's how it happens. You wake up one day and you go, I'm going to take a step further towards God, whatever he asks me to do. Then you wake up the next day and you take another step towards God. And you wake up the next day and take another step and another step and another step. And suddenly you wake up a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, and your life is completely different because of all of the small steps that you took towards God. And here's what I'm asking everybody to do as we kick off this this initiative, this campaign over this next two years, would you just take a step up wherever you're at? I know we have people at all different walks in their walk with God. We have people who have been in church all their life. We have people that are here today that this is your first time to ever be at church. We have people who have a relationship with Christ already. Those of you that have not even taken that step yet. And here's what I know. Everybody can take one step. Just the next step. Whatever it is God asks you to do. Take the next step. In fact, I've just shared with you a few areas that maybe you could take a next step. The first one is just take a next step in your discipleship, in your, in your growth with God. In fact, as a part of this journey together, we're going to be giving you opportunities to do that. Beginning next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Beginning next Sunday, we're going to be doing 21 days of prayer that's going to lead to the end of this series. We're going to be giving you every day different prayer challenges, different prayer focuses to pray on. And we're just asking you, would you just take the next step to pray with us every day for 21 days? During that 21 days, beginning next Sunday, not this Sunday, it says in your worship guide this Sunday, but we had a little typo there. It's beginning next Sunday. We're just challenging everyone. Would you just take a step to uh, in your spiritual growth by fasting with us in some way, some form whatever God would put on your heart to do just just take that step and we've given you a little guide in your worship guide some different just some different options on fasting you may want to do one of those or something else that God would put on your heart but just take a step in your discipleship here's another one take a step in your fellowship like if you're not already in a life group take a step and get in one If you're already in one, take a step and be more committed to the one that you're already in. If you're already committed to that one, take another step to begin training for leadership so that you can lead a group. Wherever you're at, just take a next step. 
Maybe it would be that you would take a next step in your serving. That some of you are here today and you have not yet served anywhere in the church. Would you just, in this, in this challenge over this, next, over this next month and then even over this next two years, would you just step in and start serving somewhere? Find somewhere and get plugged in and serve. Others of you are already serving somewhere and maybe you would step up your commitment level there that you would actually show up when you're supposed to show up. Amen. All the leaders said amen to that. Or that you would have a better attitude when you come. Or maybe you would even say, hey, I'm serving once a month. I'm going to serve twice a month. I'm gonna just going to, wherever I'm at, I'm going to take another step. And I'm going to challenge you, would you step up in your financial commitment to the church? Now, I know. I know how it goes. People get funny when you talk about money. Come on, isn't that true? And so I know some of you are already even thinking, like, I know where this is going. Man, he's going to be talking about money every week. In fact, some of you nudged your wife and said, hey, we should skip the next four weeks because I know he's going to talk about money. We'll just come back when he's done talking about money. I know how it goes, and here's what I promise you, okay? I promise you, this series will not be a series about money. I'll talk about money because that's part of it. I'm going to talk about it for a second right here, right now. But I promise you, it won't be five weeks talking about money every single week. There'll be one week we'll talk about that, and then there'll be sprinkled in there a little bit. We'll talk about it week after week. But I'll tell you this, it's not a series about money. You know, it's a series about, it's a series about vision. It's about the vision that God has for this church and how you can be a part of that story, how you can be a part of that vision. So I will promise you, yes, I will talk about money, but here's the deal. That's not even the primary goal of the series. Yes, we want to raise money to, to reach the vision that God has for us. But, but here, let me just tell you, if suddenly someone came up to me after service and handed me a check for $2 million, first of all, I'd take it. If you have it and you want to do that, I will take it, okay? Secondly, though, if somebody handed me a check for $2 million, we would still do this series, We would still do this campaign over the next two years. You know why? Because it's not about just money. That's part of it. But it's more than that. It's about the vision that God has for our church. And it's about how you can grow as a part of that vision. In fact, it's more about your spiritual growth than it even is about raising the money to build a building and put sound equipment and do all of that kind of stuff. All the missions work that we're going to do. That's part of it. But what's more important is that you step into the story that God has for you to tell as a part of his story. And so here's the deal. It's not about money, but we're going to ask you, would you take a step in this area? In fact, in your, in your campaign guide, would you open that up and, and look with me on the, on the giving ladder. It's on the, on the right-hand side, and I just want you to see something. This is what we call the giving ladder. And there are some of you that are at the bottom rung of the ladder that today you, you are a potential giver. You, you have not began giving anything, investing in the kingdom of God. So here's what I would ask you to do. If you're not already giving something in this, in this series and in this campaign, would you just step up the ladder to become what we call an emerging giver? And that would be that, hey, you know what? I'm not, maybe I'm not quite ready to do 10% and give my tithe or whatever, but I can give something. I can do something. And so some of you that aren't giving anything, just step in and start giving something. Some of you are at the emerging giver level, and you've already began to give a little bit. But here's what I would challenge you to do. Would you just take a step from emerging to consistent? So instead of just, hey, you just give every 
now and then when there's a special offering. You would say, no, no, I'm going to make this a consistent part of my life. I'm going to build it into my budget, and I'm going, to, I'm going to do it week after week after week. Those of you that are at the consistent giver level, would you just step up to what we call a tither? And that would be like, actually, I'm going to take 10%, and I'm going to give that to God on a consistent level. Those of you that are already tithers, here's what I would ask you to do. Is take one more step to becoming an extravagant giver. And here's all we're asking. Wherever you're at on the ladder, would you just take one more step up? And guess what? If everybody took a step up, imagine what God could do through us. Imagine what the next two years could look like if everyone just stepped up one step on the ladder. And it's going to require sacrifice. Hey, we've, we're sacrificing. Amber and I have already talked about what we're going to do and what we're going to give over the next two years. Our staff and our leaders have already began to talk about that and work on that. And now we're bringing it to you to just say, will you be a part? Will you step into the story? Will you step out in faith? Will you step up to that next level? And some of you say, well, Pastor, like, why are we even doing this? Like, can't you just do a normal series? Why do you have to do this kind of stuff? And I'll tell you why we're doing this. It's all about stories. The stories of lives that are being changed as a part of his story. Kind of like the story of Darla. I want you to see it. Um, about three and a half years ago, I was a life completer uh, and a host. And the kids and I had been coming to church for a couple of years. Uh, everybody had been baptized. And things were looking really well on the outside, uh, kind of had a secret. I had been involved with a man that God had told me repeatedly through so many sources that I needed to break off this relationship, that it wasn't good for me or my family. And, and um, January 3rd, 2014, I found out that I was pregnant. And I was terrified. I was already a single mom. I was already struggling. Things were already hard. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. When I told the father about it, he told me that I needed to I needed to get rid of the baby. And that if I didn't, that he wanted nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the baby. And the Sunday after I found out, I came and Pastor Chad uh, spoke and the verse said, Deuteronomy 30:19. Today you have a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And I call upon all of heaven and earth to witness the choice that you will make. Oh, how I hope that you choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And so for a week I went home and I struggled and I swayed back and forth between what I was going to do. And I've had an abortion. I know everything that goes along with it. I know the emotional scars. I know the physical scars. I know everything. But I also knew that I had made a decision to commit my life to Christ and that that meant that I needed to trust him. And so this decision that I was making was not just about my baby. This decision was about the course of my life from here on out, for me, for my family, for my children. And in that time, I had uh, two very persistent women uh, in Amber and Teresa who would not let me be alone. And at that point, other people in my family that I trusted had advised me to, to abort the baby. They told me I was ruining Nick and Lily's lives, and I needed to just be done with it. And I made the decision not to. And as soon as I made that decision, my life group surrounded me with so much support and love, and there was no judgment, and there was no, um, what are you doing? There was, 
what can we do for you? How can we make this easier? And I felt like for the first time in a lot of months that I could actually start to be happy about this baby. That I could start to celebrate the fact that I was being blessed with another life. And so um, I had joy. And she is my joy. God knew that I needed her. But I think the miracle in all of this is not that I had people come around me in my time when I needed joy. The miracle in LifeGate is that I still have people around me. I had my LifeGate ladies who come alongside me and let me be vulnerable and real and ugly and broken. And they pray for me and they support me and they lift me up. I have LifeGate youth who mentor my children and love them and pray for them and help answer questions that maybe I can't. I know that when Joy's here on Sundays that she's going to go to Tyke Town and she's going to get snacks and she's going to color and she's going to hear from Hamilton the Hedgehog and she's going to learn about Jesus. And so there's not one aspect of LifeGate that hasn't touched my life. And for me, the legacy of LifeGate is Joy. Joy doesn't have a father. Joy doesn't have a father's side of the family. She's missing that. But Joy has a church family, a church family that has prayed for her and cherished her from before she was even born. And when people see her running around here, I want them to understand the seriousness of her being here. Joy is a soul on this earth today because Pastor Chad chose to come here. He chose to preach the truth like he does. She is here because of those ladies who would not let me be alone. She is here because my life group came and surrounded me. And that's a legacy that I don't think very many people have. And so when people ask me, what does LifeGate mean to me? It's Joy's life. Come on, I think we need to give the Lord a hand. Darla as well, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and share a story like that in front of all of you, put it online so others can see it. This is why we do what we do. This is why we exist. Lives change just like Darla's, just like yours, just like your family. This is why we ask you, it's not about money. It's about lives. It's about legacy. It's about making a difference. It's about life change in our community. It's about telling his story. And you can be a part of it. I can be a part of it. Together. He can tell the story through us so that other stories can be different.